Attention, attention, all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Over and out. It's MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television series of all time. That would be MASH. I'm Ryan Patrick, and I'm joined by the gentleman who played Private Igor on MASH, Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Ryan. It's Jeff Maxwell and the band. (laughs) And his all-girl orchestra. I filled in as the guitar-playing guy this episode. (laughs) God, How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. It's wonderful to be here in sunny Southern California. And I know you're in um, that other state of Illinois. How is it there? Is it sunny? It actually is. It's been gloomy and rainy this week, which has kind of wreaked havoc on my... I've had a headache all week oh. because I think of the weather and the something about the barometric pressure and dew points. And I don't know. I, it's all meteorological and I'm not going to get into it, but it's beautiful and sunshiny today. So I feel much, much better. You know, I used to take flying lessons. I loved to fly and I almost got my license in flying. But I noticed that when up in the air, I almost hit a helicopter. I, it wasn't in my DNA, apparently, to be a pilot. And other people could do it really well, and I couldn't. I mean, I can play golf. It's in my DNA. But flying an airplane wasn't. But also, dew points confused me. There's a lot of talk about dew points in flying. And I didn't know what dew points were, and I didn't care. So I thought it better I get out of an airplane except as a passenger. So you all thank me. Don't thank me. Go ahead. You can thank me. Uh, On behalf of everyone on the ground, thank you. We appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. Hey, uh, we have a special guest with us today. And uh, this gentleman is not only a uh, supporter of the podcast, but he is a big part of the MASH community. His name is Eric White, but you know him better in the MASH circles online as the MASH historian. Mm. And we're going to talk about, well, we're just going to talk about what he does and how he does it and why he does it. So let's welcome Mr. Eric White to MASH Matters. Hello, Eric. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to, it's great to be here. Well, it, well, thank you for being here. This is, a, this is a treat for me because I have been following your stuff online for quite a while now. The MASH Historian, it's a website. You also have a social media presence. Tell us what is the MASH Historian? Oh, man. Um, really what it is is it's a website that I started um, in November of 2021. So, you know, everybody had a, their their lockdown hobbies and something. And, and an idea that came out of for me was I have this MASH collection. I should do something more with it besides just collect it. I should start talking about it and sharing it and kind of seeing how objects relate to each other and tying up the threads and, and telling those stories. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the objects, uh, everything that is related to the show has some kind of story to it. And no the, the central part of the collection has always been the scripts. And every script is different. They have different pages. There's different markings. There's different things that mean different things. Uh, and so it's fun just to go in and deep dive into the script, see what's there, watch the episode and follow along with the script, see what changed, what didn't change. Uh-huh. And and it's just that's one part of it. But that's really how it started was just it was time to – do something with this collection I've been building for, for years. Well, it's an amazing collection. And again, the mashhistorian.com is where you can find it online. And uh, tell us what's your history with the show? How long have you been a fan of mash and you know, what connection do you have to it? 
really, I've been a fan of it since I was a kid. I've always been interested in history, um, which uh, which kind of goes back to the mass historian. Like my my college degrees are in history, even though that has nothing to do with the the job I have now. So in a way, it's kind of been my connection to still kind of doing something that's hist- in the history field, but in the kind of mash being the entertainment history, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, I was actually born uh, four years after the series ended. So I never saw it in its original run. I, you know, I'm one of those MASH millennial fans <laughs> that, and there's a lot of us apparently. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's quite a, uh, it's quite a group. I, I was really surprised by that. And I'm surprised how many people reach out and ask questions that are, you know, now in high school or, you know, teenagers now Yeah, that still find the show. And, 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 and it's a lot of what I've heard, you know, through, through your podcast and hearing, you know, people talk about how they watched it with their family and that's how it started. My, my parents would watch the show. It was on, um, right after the news, uh, here, cause, uh, being in central time zone, there's like that hour gap between like the prime time time, you know, <laughs> yes, prime time yes. time zone. So they have to fill uh-huh. it with something. Right. And so mash was, was one of those shows that they filled it with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just became a, an evening staple. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated in looking at, through your website here. You have so many scripts. Now, what did you do to get all these scripts? Did you, did you find them on eBay or did you have a, some detective agency? Or what did you do? <laughs> did you have somebody whacked? Whacked? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was this a- don't, don't tell Fox. They may be missing a few. No, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but no, I, I over but the years. I, I'm, I, look, I'm looking at one, the, the uh, match where you have a little uh, compilation of the scripts, and one of them is from Albert Wardrobe. Yes. Wardrobe is not Albert's last name, that was who no. he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was a wardrobe guy. So. Oh, oh, it wasn't me, a guy named Wardrobe. On that, so. Let me make a note of that. I'm going to make sure I don't uh, mess that up. You know, Albert's last name was not Wardrobe. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you. No, <laughs> no, actually, so those scripts are actually some of the first ones I bought um, way back in 2007. They were on eBay. There was somebody selling a lot of 21 of them. And the story was somebody traded these in at a, of all places, like a, like a Coleman Lantern store in Los Angeles. <laughs> and they traded it. They traded mass scripts for lanterns. And <laughs> I, I didn't know that was possible or mass scripts yeah. were, were currency, but apparently they were. And um, the Eskimos used to use them, I think, to get <laughs> fish. They trade in and they get a walrus and they go, oh, dinner. This is good. Give them another manuscript, honey. Let's get a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so that's that's how it started. There was a set of 21 of those. And that's how the collection started was back in 2007 with those 21 scripts. Wow. Were all those 21 scripts from Albert and Wardrobe? Yes. <laughs> They were wow. actually, yeah. Oh, oh, really? Oh, they yeah. were. Yeah, they oh, were. Okay. So, the uh, from what I understood, the person who sold them said that the person who traded in owned an apartment complex, and I, I guess that's where he had lived because he left them behind. Oh, oh, how about that? Well, Albert was a really nice guy, and he was the the uh, men's wardrobe guy, and he would get stuff and provide all the wardrobe for men. And uh, he was a unique guy because he'd come up to you, and he started this thing called Owly as in the owl. And so he would get real close to you and say, owly. And uh, 
It, it, it sounds a little weird. Uh, Does it? <laughs> that happens and, to me at least three times a day. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it was weird about the first 27 times he did it to you. But after that, you kind of get used to it. But he was a character. Good guy, though, Albert. That's he really cool. So a couple of the scripts, though, in that collection, Jeff, just to kind of build on that, were also so they were they were all wardrobe connected. And but the other name that was on a couple of them was Roberta. Yeah. So was that a name that rings a bell to you? Was like the women's costume director? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to remember her last name, Roberta. Uh, Roberta. Uh, uh, you know, wait a minute. I'm not sure. I'd have to go through the memory bank. Uh, Roberta was, uh, yes, Roberta was the women's uh, costume person. I'm pretty sure. Yes. How did that work with Jamie Farr's wardrobe, actually? That's kind of (laughs) curious. I mean. Maybe they collaborated. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And then now a lot of the scripts, though, was was it more than scripts? Did you also have, because I see a lot of call sheets and thing, you know, just like, were there other things with these scripts? Yeah. So a lot of. What I found is, as a lot of um, like Albert would keep everything inside of his his script. So he would have the shooting schedule, the call sheets. Oh wow! Um, he also had individual wardrobe sheets for each actor that he was uh, costuming. So he'd have the costume notes in the back, and and it looks like it was just like a sheet that he hand drew and like made copies of, and and just used it. He'd write the actor's name at the top, and then he would just write what scene numbers and what pieces of wardrobe were needed for each of those scenes. Um, so those are in all of his scripts. They're, they're kind of what I call complete scripts because they have all the production documents with them. There, there are a couple other production documents that I have seen. There's information about like all the guest actors and even the, even like their contact information, their salaries for the, uh, uh, for the time they're going to be there. Really? And then I, I have some scripts that belong to Jackie Cooper. Hmm. And those have directors' pages inside them with like how long each scene is, is actually is on film, so they could make decisions of where to cut and edit down this episode if they need to to make it fit the twenty six minutes. Where did you get scripts from, Jackie Cooper? That's a kind of a fun story. I I got them from his son. They sold a a bunch of Jackie Cooper's items. In fact, his Emmy Award sold for like nine thousand dollars. I would have loved to have gotten that my my hands on that. <laughs> But I was able to get he, – he had all of his scripts bound together of all the episodes that he uh, directed. And I guess that's what he did with all of his scripts, like his movie scripts as well. He he had them bound, and he had a company that he would have hard bind them together. And so I have – I think he directed, what, 12, 13 episodes, and I, and they're all hard bound together in three volumes. And I, I was able to purchase those. How cool is that? Was his son selling a whole bunch of stuff, or was that just a – happened? Did you meet him in a 7-Eleven somewhere and go, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of mash people pass through Missouri. It's it's, yeah. it's a little known fact, but <laughs> um, no, actually. So I think they did do a sell, um, an initial auction because you can go online and you can find the records of like the Emmy selling at one of those online like entertainment auctions. Mm-hmm. But the scripts didn't sell, yes. and so I think I got them through eBay or at least the first volume. And then I reached out because a lot of times I'll reach out and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is really cool," and kind of introduce you know and explain what I collect and ask if they have anything else that I might be interested in. And that's how I get. They'll be like, "Sure, I have a couple other scripts," and you know, I'll kind of make a package deal. So it all started with these scripts that you purchased that belong to Albert. 
And then when did you decide, you know, that this was going to be your hobby? Does collecting not and and you kind of point out on your website that you're not necessarily collecting like the action figures and the, the licensed things. You're collecting these unique items that are directly connected to the show. How did you decide to start doing that? Honestly, I think it was those scripts that, that really kind of spurred that on. It was like, well, these are cool because they were there. Yeah. And with my fascination of history in general, you know, an object that is like going to a, an actual site where something happened or seeing a, an artifact from a place that, you know, an actual event that has a, a special mean attached to it, to me at least. And so the scripts are the same way. And so then I started to think, well, there's a bunch of other stuff that's connected to MASH. Like then I started to look at other stuff and I found like press releases and licensee kits and, oh, there's so much. Uh, it's, it's kind of got out of control. Um, <laughs> but um, syndication kits, the syndication kit is really cool. I don't know if you've ever seen one. It's like this giant box and it has a bunch of eight by 10 glossies and every episode description in it and mm-hmm. season summaries. And it is just this massive, cool, like almost like um, it's supposed to look like a footlocker, but all yeah. the paperwork and stuff is inside of it. And I guess when a TV station would syndicate, would buy a syndication package of mash, they would get that with it. So they had all the descriptions and, and all the episode details. And you've just come across, I mean, eBay and directly connecting with other collectors. I mean, that's, that's how you found your stuff over the years. Yeah, pretty much eBay and online auctions. And some people I've, I've, you know, kind of gotten to know and, and they'll, they'll slowly like allow me to purchase things from their collection and, and or, or from them. Cause there are a few people that I've bought stuff from directly who worked on the show, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of putting the idea in their mind that, you know, as they think about maybe selling something from their own collection that I'd be interested in, in that and kind of give them an idea of what my collection is like now and what my goal is with it. And, and it's, it's assembling this stuff and putting it all together and saving it because a lot of this stuff was ephemeral, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was never meant to be saved, right? A press release, you know, was never meant to be kept by somebody. The newspaper or whatever would print the article and then just toss it. Mm-hmm. That was all it was meant to do. But uh, some stations kept their stuff. And now they're clearing out their archives. And I've been able to get a hold of some of that material before it just gets tossed in the dumpster. Who did you know that worked on the show, if I may ask? Um, well, I, I did just ask. So You did. <laughs> you did. I've gotten to know a few people. Actually, I had a really good conversation a few weeks ago with Sal uh, after your episode. Oh, I followed him okay. on Instagram, and I get, you know, he, he looked at my page, and then we had a nice conversation back and forth, and he uh, recommended a really interesting documentary that I actually need to watch this weekend. It's on my list to do. And that was really interesting. There was a woman, and I, I won't give the name, but she was an intern on the show with Fox from 77 to 79. And um, I just got to know her. And you know, through eBay, she was selling a couple scripts. And then she moved halfway across the country. And as she found other stuff, as she was un- unboxing stuff, she would reach out to me and ask me if I was interested in purchasing the script for my collection before she listed them on eBay, basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. She had one that she wasn't too willing to part with, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm sure she still has it. It was um, it was either Dear Sigmund or Inga. It was one of the ones that Alan Alda wrote and directed both, and she had him sign the script. Mm, great. Is there something that you have been offered but you just weren't able to get? 
I've lost a few auctions that just still haunt me to this day. Oh yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's scripts, you know, that, cause there's, there are classic episodes of mash. Right. And I think probably one of the most classic is probably five o'clock Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have a script for it. Still don't. Cause the early scripts are hard to find because the show wasn't as popular the first couple seasons. And, and I think from what I understand, Jeff, and correct me if I'm wrong, like this, the show grew as, as it got bigger. So, you know, they could, they had a bigger budget so they could hire more people. Mm-hmm. So more scripts w- would have been printed for, you know, the cast and crew and everybody else that was involved in the series. So there are more scripts out there for the later seasons because by then the show was well-established, but those first couple seasons, it's hard to find scripts for them still. Mm-hmm. Plus they're, you know, now they're 50 years old, mm-hmm. but I lost a, a five o'clock Charlie script and that one script, I, I can't remember what it sold for. It sold for 200 and some dollars. And that was back in probably 2008, 2009, about when I was first starting to collect. You know, after this interview, I'm going to go out and look in the garage because I might have Five O'Clock Charlie sitting out there uh, just collecting mold, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it gets hot here in California. It does. And uh, it gets moldy. So, yeah, five o'clock Charlie. I yeah. I swear, I what was the one I sent you, Ryan? What was the? the uh, you sent me the the War for All Seasons. Oh, that's what, that's yeah. one of my favorites. Actually, that's, that's one of my favorite episodes in general. Me too. That was one of those original twenty one that I got. That's one of Albert's copies. So it has all the production documents in it too. That script, I can still see the cover of it. Like I can I I can picture it. I it, it's in the other room in a in a cabinet, you know, locked up. But I I can still picture it. <laughs> Um, wow. But the script collection has grown. I only need 88 episodes to complete the set. Yeah. Do you like reading the script? I do, actually. So yeah. for the site, one of the features I always do uh, for the script spotlights, I always watch the episode and follow along with it. Um, but it's really cool to read the set directions and and all the, um, the you know, just, just how detailed the you know, the actual like notes are of what people are wearing in some cases, like Klinger walks in wearing this or that. And then you'll have, depending on who owned the script, you may have, a, or who used the script on the show, they may have other additional notes. Like the wardrobe goes in and highlights all that stuff. Cause that's the stuff that they need to know. Mm-hmm. There's another script that I have. It was clearly the, uh, the director's copy because like it has, he's, he's penciled in all of his notes, like pan left to right or pan right to left. And then also like a hand-drawn mess tent table with who's sitting where around the table. So they knew where people were sitting because of course, single camera, they had to film that scene multiple times if they were all talking. So they had to make sure everybody was still sitting in the same place mm-hmm. each time they filmed it. So he would make notes of where everybody sat at the tables. Cool. Was there a name on that script? I think it was Don Wise. Wow. That's amazing. So is there one piece in your collection that is really the most special to you? Uh, it's like asking your favorite child. Uh, <laughs> I knew that question was coming. It, it, it's the most common question. Um, and you, well, of course, I'm looking at the secrets of the bash mess. Yes, you have. yes. So that obviously, one, that's it. That's it. <laughs> go there right there. Now. <laughs> and then, Okay. Your second most okay. favorite. <laughs> All right. I won't make you pick one. Okay. What are some of your most precious pieces? Yeah. Some of the most interesting things, and actually this comes to a question I have for you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I have a couple crew gifts. I, I know every year, because Ken Levine's talked about this on his blog as well. Every year there would be a cast and crew gift, like usually around Christmas time. And one year, everybody got a watch. It was I think that was the 10th anniversary watch. Actually, I, I have one, which that's a fun story, which I'm 
not sure I want to share that story. But Jeff, I think <laughs> I think you're aware of this story, maybe because I actually emailed you a picture and you forwarded along to the the person who actually owned the watch for me, which I greatly appreciate. But I can, yeah, we can maybe tell that story. One year it was a record <laughs> that had cast recordings. Okay. Now I just picked up a copy of that. Did you? Okay, great. Yes, and I I didn't know what the origin of it was, so that was a cast gift. Yeah, because on the back it has uh, a note from Alan Alda. Yeah, um, yeah, and so and and I believe it also says something like on it like not for distribution mm-hmm. in in all the copyright information. So yeah, that was a cast gift because in Ken Levine's blog he tells this story. The watch came the year before the record because everybody who was hired. Between after everybody got the watch and the next Christmas was excited because they thought last year was a watch. What's this year going to be? And it was a record. (laughs) (laughs) So so he tells that story really well in his his blog. Another year, Uh, I believe, uh, and I've seen these come up on eBay. It was a belt buckle. Yeah. And I've seen actually, and I'm doing a post on this in a couple weeks because there's actually two different versions of that belt buckle. Yes, there are. There was one done in 74 and then one done in 81 and I have one of each. And so, and, and you know, it was kind of funny because I bought the later version kind of by accident. I forgot I had the other one because I haven't done a good inventory or well, I have now, but I, I hadn't yet done a good inventory of everything I had. So I ended up buying another one, but then I realized they were different and it's like, well, there, there's a story here. So that was actually my question for you, Jeff. What, what other of those cast and crew gifts do you remember besides those three? <laughs> Or, or do you still have them? Uh, I still have the Maserati. I didn't okay. give that up. I still oh, have that one. I don't have the cocktail napkins anymore. Those went away. You no, know, I, I remember one time thinking, oh boy, here comes the Maserati. And then there was a set of glasses. And they were nice glasses. <laughs> they were inscribed, you know, 4077. And I, I think I have one left because, you know, over the years things happen and dogs bark and you drop it or something. But uh, yeah, no, it was a, you know, gosh, hey, it, it was a, there was a lot of people and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to get and that would be a wonderful thing for everybody at the same time was pretty hard. And I'm sure there were different gifts given to certain people instead of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was certainly very nice to, at the end of the year, end of the season, get something, you know, as a thank you to everybody. It was very nice. And a lot of the cast and or the cast would get together and, put money in and do all that for him. It was very nice. I, I'm curious in collecting all this stuff, has it given you great insights into something about MASH or something about the people or what has it taught you by having all this stuff? Oh, that's a good question. Other than you've wasted a lot of time and you really got to get money. Yeah. And money. spent a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, no, actually, I think the one thing that it really kind of, because I don't live anywhere near Los Angeles, and I think a lot of people who live around showbiz kind of understands the detail that goes into it. I think that's the one thing that I've learned, you know, by looking through and reading this material, just how much really goes into creating 26 minutes of an episode, of a single episode. I mean, it's four days of filming, two two locations, you know, filming schedules, seeing how, you know, who goes, who's there each day. On the back of those call sheets, it has like how many gallons of coffee they needed. 
Like, <laughs> it, it, it's that detailed on, on yeah, how much a day they need, how many meals they need each day, and just how much went into creating 26 minutes of television. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is like a little city and everybody, you know, needs the timing and needs the food and everything. So it's, it, a lot of work went into those little 26 minutes. It really did. That's an interesting uh you know, perspective on it, interesting insights you have, because yeah, hey, I get it now. All this stuff is, doesn't just happen. You know, it takes a lot of people, over a hundred and some odd people, and four days to do. So it's a, it's an effort. So how how big is your collection? You said you recently did an inventory. How how many pieces are in your collection? Oh, I don't have that kind of account. Um, oh. there's, <laughs> unfortunately, not yet. I, I am still okay. working on a few, a few, a few things, and trying to get photographs of everything and putting it into like an inventory software, just so I have, I keep track of it. Plus, having done the site now, and there's one post a week for almost two years now. I need to not post the same thing twice. Right, right. I need a way to track what I've already done. But yeah, so there's, oh, there's hundreds. I mean, there's in, just in scripts there are you know, probably 170. And then I also have about, I think I have all but maybe four or five of the aftermath scripts as well. Well, really? And then I have one, and I, and I did a post on it. I have one script from the McLean Stevenson show, <laughs> which was the show he did right after he left MASH. Yeah, there's just, I don't know, there's there's cabinets and stuff everywhere. Is there any other grail item that if you had the opportunity to get it, you would do it? An Emmy Award would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'd like one of those myself. <laughs> <laughs> not too late, Jeff. Not yeah, too late. Um, not too late. It's not maybe, too late. Maybe not. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Put yourself out there. <laughs> you know, if one comes up on eBay, you could always just buy one. And <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, I could. <laughs> no, because I saw the awards that you showed, uh, Ryan, that you had just oh, yeah. gotten yeah. It, right around the, the 40th anniversary of the finale. Yes. Were those Directors Guild or which which were those? The Humanitas. Humanitas Awards. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. So I have actually a Directors Guild Award that was presented to Gene Reynolds in 92. Hey. I think that was like an Achievement Award type deal because his wife also got one. Cause, so I have both. I have his and his wife's actual statuette from that. But an Emmy Award would be would be something else because you know, or at least uh, you know, won by Mash in some way. Uh, and the Jackie Cooper one would have been a really, really good way to fulfill that. Um, but but nine grand is a little out of reach. So you mentioned it, but let's talk about it. You recently went to the Smithsonian. I did. Tell us about that. Mm. So I I know you two were also interviewed for an article that was in the Smithsonian Magazine back in September. Yeah, and I, I was as well. And and you know they extended the offer to come out and see the exhibit. And if I did, to let them know, and they would connect me with one of the curators of the exhibit. And so my brother and I both went out there. And actually, I went to college in Virginia, so I didn't live too far from D.C. for a couple of years. And so just went out to visit some friends and hang out out there. My brother went back with me and then we, I had a day where we just had in DC made an appointment and went and saw the signpost and the current entertainment nation exhibits the Smithsonian has, which is a really good exhibit. And they're, and they're going to rotate items in and out for, or I think he said the next 20 years is how long this exhibit's going to last. Oh my gosh, really? Wow. So things will be rotated in and out. So it's possible that other mash items could be switched with, uh, uh rotated with the signpost. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause like right now they have Archie Bunker and Edith Bunker's chairs from the series on display alongside the signpost. And so he gave us like a brief tour of the exhibit and you know, that was kind of it after about 15 minutes. And I'm like, well, this can't be, 
everything, you know, kind of a long drive. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he said, I thought we'd, you'd like to see some of the stuff from in the archive. And it's like, um, yeah. Yes, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. And so we went into the uh, Smithsonian's archive, and there's just, it's a, it is a mind boggling space. And I know they have warehouses across the country that, you know, that are climate controlled and and properly, you know, these, these really cool, like basically micro chamber cabinets that, and so he was opening these cabinet doors and letting us see some of this stuff, like Fonzie's jacket and Indiana Jones's fedora and, Spock's Ugh. original ears from, you know, the original Star Trek. Wow. He opened one drawer and it was full of Muppets. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if they were supposed to be there, but they were there. Um, you just described my bedroom from like 1980. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we started getting the mash stuff. He had taken a few mash things out and laid them out on the table. The dress that Klinger wore, um, uh, it was the one, not yeah, the Ginger Rogers dress yeah. uh, that Klinger wore with the headdress with it. Uh, they had that one out so we could see it. Hawkeye's shirt, <laughs> his Hawaiian shirt, that was out so we could see it on, on a table. And so was one of Margaret's shirts, her actual fatigue shirt, not the black turtleneck, which is interesting. I wonder where that black turtleneck is because that's like like the iconic shirt that she wore a lot, right? That's kind of like Hawkeye's blue shirt. Yes, uh, Margaret's black turtleneck is is just as iconic, I would say. And then we started going back through other cabinets, and he would open a drawer, and there was the martini glasses from the swamp, mm-hmm. an unopened jar of olives from the swamp. <laughs> they took the sets as they finished them in in eighty three, and they left it exactly. Everything is still as it was left, and so it was really cool. They just keep pulling back these things, but the thing that I've always wondered what happened to one thing. It's in the officer's club, the sign with all the names on it. This is MASH 4077 on it. Uh-huh. That's in the background of every press photo, every cast photo, basically. Yes. With all um, the signatures. Yes. And, yeah, and yes. The handwriting. And, yep, yep. And we, we, we go in the back corner of, of the room and he pulls a sheet off this, what looked like a table, but it was that sign oh. on a, a rolling cart. Oh. And, I mean, it just took my breath away seeing that sign in person and, and all the signatures on it. And so I was able to get pictures of it. And Dan Harrison's been a big help, too. We actually have been able to identify some of the names on that sign. I saw your article. Yeah, that, that's an incredible article. And, and thanks to Dan for helping you with that. Yes, yes, for sure. And and so my pictures were, of course, I'm just overwhelmed and <laughs> by by this experience. And so my pictures weren't the greatest. So I, I reached out to the archivist uh, at the Smithsonian and he sent me more more detailed pictures. He actually went back and took better pictures and sent them to me. So I forwarded those on to Dan and we were able to, to identify a few more names on there. So it's just kind of this, again, it's just, it was, it was what a, what a day. Oh my gosh. What, what an hour and a half that was. I mean, getting to see the signpost was one thing, but getting to see this stuff. And I remember a question that was asked on the show at one point was, you know, why isn't the stuff displayed more often? And, and I asked him that. And he said, we'd love to. The problem is it's expensive to ship. It's expensive to insure mm-hmm. objects like that. If they go to a an, another museum, it has to be an institution that can meet their climate regulations and their lighting rules to make sure the objects are not damaged. Because as you can see in the photos of Hawkeye's shirt, his shirt is damaged yeah. by the light from that exhibit that they did in the 80s. That shirt was on display for two solid years Wow! under lights, and it's faded it quite a bit. And you can see where it was folded and, and, and where the fade lines are. 
And that was just, you know, of course, lighting's better now. LED is not as harsh as incandescent bulbs would have been in the 80s, but they still did their toll over two years under those harsh lights, you know, for every day. But that's still one of the most popular exhibits they've ever had. The Binding Up the Wounds. Binding Up the Wounds exhibit, yeah. Yeah. And I was able to share some stuff with them. I digitized that record actually that cast gift record and and I gave it to the Smithsonian so they have a digital copy of it. Oh nice. So, Cuz I thought that was a cool thing to have cuz they're they're slowly building up like their digital sound collection and so they asked for a copy of that. I actually have an original brochure advertising the exhibit. They don't even have one of those so I scanned it oh. and that to them. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I have a couple of the exhibit catalogs which there's a couple on eBay right now. If anybody's interested in that exhibit catalog, I, I highly recommend one. If you don't have one, they are really neat to look through and it lists yeah. every object that the Smithsonian holds for mash in the back of oh it. Oh my gosh. And it's a long list. It's a long list. <laughs> yes. But it, it is a neat little booklet and it's well worth the, I think they sell for like 20, 30 bucks on eBay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well worth it. Well, I look forward to seeing what else you put out there on the website. I really am impressed with not only your collection, I'm also very envious of your collection, <laughs> but the the time and the effort that you put into telling the stories behind those items. Because it, it'd be very easy just to post the pictures and not say anything else. And, you know, it would have some merit. But the fact that you go in and you do all this research and you find the the story behind these items... I commend you. It's it's a tremendous undertaking, and uh, you're doing a great job with it. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of I say I'm like preserving the production history of Mash mm-hmm. in a way. I'm trying to save the things that normally wouldn't have been saved. And um, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for since the beginning, really. And I kind of feel in a weird way that the podcast and my site work really well together mm-hmm. because, you know, you can see the objects and learn about the things and the stuff that went behind to making the show. And then you're doing great work and in interviewing the people who were there and getting those stories and preserving those stories, conducting those oral histories really. Right. And yes, yes. And, and preserving those stories. So I, I feel like we're, we're preserving the history of the show in, in multiple ways. No, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, we're doing it from an audio standpoint, an oral audio history of the show, and you're doing it from a visual standpoint, and you're able to catalog and, and capture these items that a lot of us have not seen. Or if we have seen them, we've only seen one or two out in the wild. Mm-hmm. Again, these were not commercially mass-produced things. These were only really seen by the production team. I'm glad that Albert left those scripts in his apartment yeah. and that the landlord needed some lanterns uh, because <laughs> had he not needed lanterns, we wouldn't be talking today. Where would I be if I if that hadn't happened? I mean, I'm dying to know what Albert's landlord needed with lanterns. <laughs> what was he going to do with lanterns? Maybe, wow. maybe Coleman lanterns were something they collected. And it's like scripts. Yeah, I, don't, I don't need those. I don't need yeah. those. I want some lanterns. And maybe somebody will trade. His house was just very dark. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> scripts don't give off much light. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they really don't. So how can people find you? Well, the, the website is um, themashhistorian.com. And as you mentioned, there's also uh, Instagram at the Mash Historian, same for Twitter at Mash Historian, and then Facebook, the Mash Historian, also on there. And the posts go out weekly on Mondays, usually, unless there's a week where I don't get it done before Monday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, then it may go out on Tuesday or Wednesday. 
Um, that's been known to happen, but I try to post weekly and there are themes to the posts like scripts. There's, there's one type of post per month is the way I try to feature it. And, and then, um, like I've got a few posts coming up that are going to be really interesting. Like the one is Brian Rooney's book mm-hmm. about, yeah. um, which who you interviewed and actually that, that's how I found his book. Yes. So, uh, I'm, I'm linking back to his interview, you know, on the podcast and in, in, on the site. Yeah. And then, um, Oh man, I've got one coming up that's also uh, let's see uh, the actual movie script. I have one of those. Oh nice, that could be coming up. And then uh, the belt buckles that post will be next month as well. And then there were two novels written about mass units in the Korean War. You mentioned the movie uh, Battle Circus uh-huh. uh, about uh, the movie being made in the fifties and being about you know the Korean War. There were actually two novels that were released about the uh, mash units in the Korean war before the novel mash was. Oh, so, really? And I picked up copies of those. One's called battalion medics and the other's called sword and scalpel. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to do a, a review of those two as well. Very cool. Uh, they predate mash by almost 20 years. You know, there were two products made um, by, I believe they were made by the, somebody on the crew. Either they did it personally or they've had friends that could produce these things. But the original belt buckles were made by, or at least created and made along with somebody else's help by somebody on the crew. And then they were so popular, then there were jackets that said MASH on the back of them. And those two things I gulped down immediately. (laughs) Uh, And then later on, when MASH got real popular, the the belt buckles were kind of mass produced as a product. The original ones were not. They were just simply made for everybody on the set. So that's kind of interesting in terms of the differences between the two buckles. There are a little bit different because one of them was made very carefully by, you know, hand somewhere and the others are a little bit more machine produced. But the jackets, uh, the original jackets, which one of them I still have in the closet, it's, it's moth food right now, but I, I'm trying to prevent that from happening. <laughs> Uh, and they were made specifically for everybody on the, on the show. And then later that got a little bit more popular and they began to be mass produced as well. Uh. So, uh, the, the two things, if you ever come across either of the jackets, they'd be worth grabbing if you can. Yeah. I was just going to ask, are the jackets blue? Yes, they are. I've seen one before and I wasn't sure if it was a cast gift or if it was a mass produced item, but I'll keep my eye out for one again because I did see one before. One of the the mass produced jacket is a little thicker. It's a little bulkier inside. I think it I think it even has some felt or something inside. The original one did not. Okay. Uh, so, but either one of them is a really cool thing if you can find it. Yeah, the belt buckles. I do have one of each. Uh, the original that was made by the crew member, and and they're all individually numbered. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. then I have also the one that was done again in eighty one. That's kind of why I want to do a post on it because people are selling the eighty one version as like the handmade one. Mm-hmm. And I want to warn people that that's not the case. There are two different ones, and here's how to identify which is which, and, and just to make sure nobody's you know yep. thinking that they are getting something that they're not. That's great. That's and, great. And you know, after your appearance on this show, I'm sure somebody will come up with an Emmy for you for eleven bucks or something. Spend a lot of money. I'm sure they will. It's made of chocolate, but you know, hey. <laughs> you know what? I'd be okay with the chocolate one. Yeah. I mean, chocolate yeah. chocolate has its uses. I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, really quick. Do we want to, do you want to hear the story of the watch? Oh yes. Yes. Sure. So the watch, I, I know 
and I, I don't know, Jeff, if you still have yours or not, but there was a watch that was made for um, cast and crew members, and it's for the 10th anniversary. So it has the mash 10 with the 10 with the candle on it, a logo on the dial. And actually, I have it right here because I pulled it out of my cabinet because I wanted to be able to have it in, my, in front of me to make sure I got the name correct on who's on the dial. Uh, the person's name on the dial is David Pollock. Yeah. And, you know, of course, he was a writer on the show and a former guest, you know, a previous guest of, of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I did after I heard him on the podcast, I had this watch and I'm like, okay, I, I, I need to get the backstory. So I sent a picture with an email to the mash matters email address. And Jeff, you replied and told me that you'd forwarded on to David and gave him my information. And he reached out to me within about a day and said, as a matter of fact, he does remember that watch and he had no idea it was gone. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. He told me the story that I think he said in 2016 or 17, him and his wife, their house was broken into and some jewelry and stuff had been stolen. And he had never thought to see if the watch had been stolen either. Wow. And it wasn't until I, he got the picture that you forwarded him that he realized that the watch was also gone. Oh my gosh. That's a great story. Well, it's not a great, it's a terrible story. Yeah. Yeah. I offered to return it and he told me that it was, that it was now mine and he hoped I enjoyed it. So the stolen watch and the script traded for you know for lanterns and just the stories behind all this stuff just kind of is a big part of the fun of collecting man may i ask what sort of business you're in are you in- uh, so i work for a uh, a fintech company we make the software that runs banks Oh, oh, wow. So, so that's where you get your money. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I know the tricks of the trade. Where are you going to be working next week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Eric, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, again, check out the website, themashhistorian.com. Look on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. Give them a follow. Uh, we'll put links to uh, all your social media in our show notes for this episode and uh just keep it up man keep up the great work yeah well thank you i appreciate the invite i do want to just add that i'm i was really excited a few weeks ago when you had will Friedell on because yeah i am i am the age where i grew up watching boy meets world so i listen i listen to their podcast as well and what's funny is is that the mash historian instagram account follows the pod meets world instagram account and i've had several people reach out and ask what's the name of the podcast that that will listens to the mash podcast (laughs) so i've sent them your direction so thank you um, maybe you'll get the boy meets world bump i don't know yes um, we did uh, yes we did yeah yeah and and it's really cool because they're they're doing a live tour yes and i'm going to see them in kansas city uh later this year so i'm I'm really excited for that too so very cool it was really really cool to hear because i know he he does talk about mash in every episode and just about every episode of the podcast so he does talk about it a lot he talks about our podcast too he does yeah we can't thank him enough for that (laughs) yeah yeah so i've i have had a few people reach out and ask on the boy meets world side and it's like what's the name of that episode of that podcast that will listens to and so when do you start the pod meets world historian.com oh man (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a whole different can of worms you know um Mass scripts are kind of were were made at a unique time because there wasn't a Xerox machine yet, really. Mm-hmm. You know, things were mimeographed and there was different ways of making the covers. So there's ways you can tell whether it's just a photocopy or an original, and there's ways to tell the difference. Uh-huh. 
by the early 1990s, though, and, and up through 2000 when, when Boy Meets World was on, that's a lot harder because they would have just been photocopied pages, essentially, on a Xerox machine. And those are a lot easier to fake, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it'd be a lot more difficult to collect stuff like that. Yeah, and besides, there are a few dead people on that show. I mean, you have <laughs> A lot of dead people. Still alive, so. yeah. yeah, they're all still in attics. You know, nobody's yeah, right. gone to the attic yet. That's right. Uh, well, Eric, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Check it out, mashhistorian.com. And until next time, here's looking up your old address. 